follow the news lately, now two leaders, one from China and the other one from the United States of America, met virtually recently. And not about the international relationship, but about one crisis that the world is paying attention right now, which is taking place in the country of Ukraine. Needless to say that not only what's happening in Ukraine has divided the world into many parts, but meanwhile, for some countries, internally, the division cannot be or should not be underestimated. For example, the country of Georgia. Now, lately, Will came across one of the important articles to say that within the country of Georgia, the political parties fell apart. Mainly, some people, especially the active political opponents, and they're against the opinion of Georgian government involvement in this Ukrainian and Russian conflict. But meanwhile, on the other side, people are voicing the support. So that's why today it's my great honor to invite Will, you know, it's a small world that two people have the similar name, and join our show. So after covering the Russian invasion of Georgia in 2008, and the president of Georgia offered Will Cathcart a job as his media advisor, and keep in mind, he was only 20, uh, 27 years old. And then he went back to journalism in 2011 and covered geopolitics and the culture in the region for CNN, Foreign Policy, The Daily Beast, and other media major outlets. So that's why today we want to have a thorough conversation with Will regarding the country of Georgia and how one international crisis is dividing this country apart. Will, welcome to The Missing Piece. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, let's get started with the first question. You know, it's interesting, again, initially, when I approached your article, and recently you wrote one of the amazing articles that regarding to this country of Georgia, and the article was entitled called, Georgia Threatens to Sue Its Own President Over Her Support for Ukraine. And we know as the world continues to follow and watch the ongoing crisis, can you tell us a little bit more how does one international issue is dividing the country, Georgia, into many parts? Yep. Hey, as you mentioned um, in the introduction, it, it goes back to 2008, and then it goes back further than that, of course. But Georgia was invaded by Russia in 2008, and that um, is something that united and divided the country for obvious reasons. Um, it was very different back then than the Ukrainian invasion. We're seeing one reason for that is Georgia's only 5 million people. Ukraine has 44 million people. Um, and, you know, this is, um, you know, one of the largest armies on earth. Mm. And so Georgia, uh, but Russia did end up uh, halting that invasion as well. They did not speak the capitals uh, of Georgia. They continue to occupy the country. They have 20% of the country now and they have a knife to its throat logistically in that they um, they're very close to the east-west highway which connects the capital to the ports and uh, a major pipeline a gas pipeline Georgia is a transit country for a lot of um, hydrocarbons that move through the region so what we're seeing is that that um, Russia wants to keep the conflict active there. That means they push the border, um, you know, a couple meters or a couple hundred meters every every several months, and that's to keep the pressure on, to keep to make the invasion real, and uh, not to let and to uh, let's say 
remind the government that they are in the state that they're in and the Georgian mm. people. So skip to the uh, to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And you would think that the Georgian government would be the first to show support and solidarity, especially since Ukrainians came and fought with Georgians um, in the 2008 war. And Ukrainians have been avid supporters of Georgia. Now, um, that's not what happened. And the reason for that, um, you know, it's it's more complex than uh, let's say either polarized side of the Georgian government would want to um, make you think um, the opposition in parliament claims that they're just, you know, pro-Russian, um, you know, puppets um, mm. running the country. The people running the country claim that they are on a pro-Western NATO path. More over time, they, they're just sort of giving that lip service. They know what to say. They know um, they know where to apply. But what it's done is it's created a a rift um, because the president of Georgia was quick to show solidarity with Zelensky mm. um, when her government forced her not to go travel and uh, did not give her you know um, basically they called it visas. But they did not give her permission. Uh, she has to ask Parliament to, before any official state visit. They refused many, and um, you know she wasn't being invited by a, high, a lot of high-level leaders who she had known. She's a lifelong diplomat, so she went and she took those meetings anyway, and she met those leaders. Um, and this greatly upset the Georgian government, um, which. One thing that they want control over her because they got her elected. Mm. They financed her campaign. She's not necessarily in their party, but she is very much. Uh, um, she is supposed to be under their control, and this was the break had been long coming, but this became very, very. Um, let's say uh, a lot of people could see that there was a, a an issue in the Georgian government, but also it. Um, highlighted how much the Georgian prime minister, he had refused to back sanctions, to let uh, George or to help Georgians um, fly to Ukraine when the fight, when the fighting first broke out. So it showed that the Georgian government was not doing what the Georgian people wanted, which was to support Ukraine. The president even broke with that and showed Ukraine uh, support to to Ukraine. Mm. And its sense has created a, uh, um, as you said, a, a unique division um, where, you know, a lot of leaders and a lot of countries are coming together. Um, the sort of the opposite has happened in Georgia. But I wouldn't say that of its people. The Georgian people are overwhelmingly supportive of Ukraine mm. uh, because they know what it's like to be there and they know they could be next. Well, you know, Will, when I was reading your article, and I want to quote something that you put it uh, uh, out specifically, and you said, On March the 4th, as anti-war and anti-government protests continue in the capital city, Zelensky gave a direct video address to the crowd and gathered in the cities across Germany, France, and Czech Republic. And this is the reaction from the Georgian president after this announcement made by... Zelensky by declaring I stand with President Zelensky and with Ukraine the dignity of the Georgian people means that we stand with our friends and when they fight for freedom for independence and for a European future 
And well, let's bring something more tangible to our conversation is we know that U.S. President Joe Biden is on the trip this week. Recently, it's attending the NATO summit. And one of the purpose is sending this clear message to the world from the U.S. government side to show this firm and this unchangeable attitude towards Russian government and also to show solidarity for the people in Ukraine. But let's go back to the country of Georgia. Why do you think the Georgian president insisted on supporting Ukraine? And even though that she knows where she might understand that internally, this could hurt her politically because nobody want to be a leader for a divided country, especially at this time. We want to see unification, not division at this time. So what are you going to say to this? So I, I, I think she had to make the call that... Um it's either showing unification, uh, unification with the, the Georgian people and showing their unification or, you know, basically just continuing along with what the billion oligarch who put her in power says to do. And um, obviously she chose the Georgian people, which, you know, was the right thing to do, I think, um, as any leader should. Um, and, and she risked more than just a vision. She, uh, they're, they're threatening to sue her in the Constitution court which w could then lead to impeachment um i don't think they have the votes to impeach the president but they could make life very hard for her and she could essentially lose her job um and so um yeah and and it's great she did that um you know unfortunately before that she hadn't she had not she had not broken ranks let's say with the georgian government until now when they're during the lead up for all of this, when it was imperative for everyone to show support, which the kind of support which could have stopped the war, she didn't do that. So, you know, we're not making her the hero of this, though she did do something heroic. And, I'm, and, and it's good to see. It's good to um, especially when Georgia was was acting in the Georgian government was acting in an almost shameful manner. Well, it's people are out on the streets. And, and I was there that night when Zelensky Address Georgia. I had just gotten back from Ukraine, so it was a very moving moment for me to see, um, you know, this happen. I, I live in Tbilisi, and I um, um I was in Ukraine covering the conflict, and uh, because again, for people in Georgia, this is is this this is um this war is very close. It feels like it's happening in Georgia. Um, Georgia's already you know in a, a military situation with Russia that's not going to end anytime soon, and it could so easily spill over into Georgia. So the Georgian people are very vocal um, about what they want and what they think is right. And the leadership of the Georgian country was not doing that. And so she did the right thing and she came through. So, Will, uh, but, but Will, at this moment, and you and I, again, we're reading and facing the reality is Vladimir Putin is not backing down any minute. And, you know, at uh, the beginning, we thought... Uh, Vladimir Putin was just bluffing, you know, again, uh, everyone, especially the experts within the international communities believe, oh, that was just a hot air. That was something that Putin has always been saying that invading this country or taking over the territory of the other, that part of the region. But gradually that we are looking into over the month that Vladimir Putin, even though despite the fact that he lost tremendously in the military side and, you know, and also human resources, but he has not backed down. So in other words, how does that help 
with the government of Georgia. So in other words, by supporting uh, uh, Zelensky, by supporting the people of Ukraine, but meanwhile, we're looking at someone that who's not willing to take a bet, who's not willing to back down for, uh, for this war. What does that look like? Or what kind of message does Putin send to the people or send to the country such as Georgia? Vladimir Putin, um, he he says what he's going to do. Mm. Um, now, we don't we don't like to listen to it. Um, often we try to interpret it. We try to interpret it through a Western lens. We say, you know, that would be crazy to do. Um, he he would never do that. He, you know, he's bound to realize those sort of things. We try to qualify his words. Um, we need to just listen to them. Uh, he has been saying what he's going to do and, and he did it. So, um, you know, I, even I, w I was in Ukraine on the, the 24th. Um, I was with a group of fighters on the 23rd interviewing them. They didn't think the war would happen. These guys who've been fighting a war for eight years already did not think this war would happen. Mm. I, I didn't think it, it because it, it is a very foolish war. And we, we see Vladimir Putin as a um, former intelligence operative who, you know, makes wise decisions. They're brutal. They're. Uh, autocratic, but they're usually not foolish. This one is. Um, so, you know, um, to say that he was bluffing was was a, a um, was was a mistake. Um, now, again, you know, how do we say? Well, we should have listened. You know, it's it's hard. It just didn't seem possible um, that we would be in a world where you know, essentially, uh, a world war is about to start or could start at any moment, and where this type of war would be happening um all the other journalists i've talked to who are covering in this i mean these are one of them's a, a seasoned war reporter for the new york times and he said he's just learning he's still learning I and mean, this is a new war to see this kind of warfare play out in ukraine is just it's tragic and it's hard and it's it's unlike anything um anybody my age especially has ever covered um, it's unlike anything that's happened since World War II. And so we just didn't think Putin would be willing to do that. But he is. He was. The same reason he was willing to invade Georgia the way he did. Um, that was that should have been a wake-up call then. Mm. That this guy's ready to risk war in Europe. So, um, but, but to answer your question, um, it was, uh, I think I lost, sorry. Um, but yeah, let's continue. Sure, um, no problem, Will. No, again... I understand what you're saying. So in other words, I guess the lesson we learned, not only that when we say we, that means the world that we learned today is we shouldn't underestimate the words from Vladimir Putin, you know, so, so he actually meant exactly what he wanted to say. But meanwhile, let's go back to your article. You know, again, this is someone that you talked to or this is someone that, you know, uh, uh, I directly quote from the conversation you had. And the person said, we have witnessed years of cultivating fear of confrontation with Russia, coupled with the implied message that the only way to avoid it and survive is to accept Vladimir Putin's dominance and allowing Russia infiltration in the security apparatus and political system. Well, you know, just again, I read this article that you wrote many times, and just the moment when I read this, I still cannot fathom and to comprehend what does that mean that we need to accept the reality or we need to, the way to survive is to understand and to accept Putin's dominance. I mean, brother, even though I have never been to Georgia, but believe me, 
for the people in Ukraine and for the people in Georgia and the other countries, if we say to accept the rules and to accept the dominance of this dictator, this is a very dangerous game. And this is now something that we should play in the year of 2022. I mean, what do you think on that? I, I'm with you, and, and that's not actually what the the person the person was Giga Bukharia, who's a uh, a very very uh, would say anti Putin mm. um, opposition leader. What he's saying is that the Georgian government is trying to create a scenario where the Georgian people have to. They're trying to create a sort of Stockholm syndrome, where the Georgian people have to think that there's no alternative rather than to accept Putin's dominance. Mm. And that's what, and so the stronger Putin looks, the more power the Georgian government has. Um, if you're if you're challenging that, you're risking war. That was the, that, let's say the dynamic that they're trying to propagate, even while they're, um, you know, being, let's say, uh, they're controlled, they're occupied mm. by Russia. They're trying to say that there's no alternative. Now, what we've seen in Ukraine is this remarkable uh, um, courage and, and also just this tenacity to fight where the Ukrainian um, you know, uh, military and the people have resisted this. They have resisted Putin's dominance. Mm. And look what's happened. It has humiliated Putin. It, he has now two of his top intelligence chiefs on house arrest. He's Stalin style, good old fashioned despotism. So um, what the Ukrainian people have shown is that there is an alternative to just accepting the the dominance of Russia. And that is fighting back. And that if you fight back in the right way, and if you bring in allies the way Zelensky has, then you can stall the invasion. You can humiliate these leaders who see this as their debut as military powers and want to show the world that their military powers and they're great. And then you see a farmer stealing a Ukrainian, I mean, a Russian tractor. That's that, that type of humiliation is, 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 is what they're trying to avoid at all. Mm. So this war has done that. Um, and the other thing that happened is as the Georgian people watched the Ukrainian people do this, they're starting to wake up and say, hold on, you know, we don't have to accept that either. Mm. And then they're saying to their government, what are you doing? Why are you appeasing this and trying to create the impression that the only alternative to being invaded is to accept the dominance of Russia? That's what the um, the Georgian government has implied and not only implied, but they've been um, propagating that idea that the only way Georgia can survive is if they if they appease Putin and Zelensky has emerged and as a counter to that dynamic. And this gives the Georgian people hope. No one wants a war, but it means that there's an, another way to come about this. Mm. Um, it means that when great powers uh, invade smaller ones, that um, a group of well-trained, well-armed soldiers can halt an attack. Um, and it means that, you know, uh, when people are fighting for the, their land and their families, they're not going to give up. Um, and that's what we've seen. And I think that's been inspiring to the Georgian people. And 
that means that it's been a threat to the Georgian government. Mm. And it is a threat to them. Mm. Well, you know, I don't know if you play sports or not, but, you know, in this sports term, we always say it takes two to dance. So, in other words, you know, in a sports, especially in this competitive ways, it's better that you have allies and partners with you instead of fighting on the battlefield alone. But let me remind you the reality, Will, is... Russia is not alone. You know, there are still uh, some countries, you know, uh, to be specifically, you know, the countries in Asia, some countries have not openly expressed their uh, support or their condemnation towards Russia. So, in other words, that actually indirectly boosted the confidence for Vladimir Putin. So, in other words, let's come back to the people in Georgia. I mean, we know that the entire war actually elevated the image of Zelensky, you know. And, and lately on Twitter, he shared for the first time, if I'm not mistaken, they addressed the world in English, actually. And he was calling all the countries in the world to stand together and to collaborate together in terms of fight against Vladimir Putin and the military. But, you know, again, on one hand... Russia is not alone. There are countries who are supporting this. But on the other hand, Zelensky, I mean, I know that how the media were, were been saying has been a courageous person, but in reality, it's still tough. So, so my question to you is, you said this could give hope to the people in Georgia, and this could give people a sense of uh, a, a promising future uh, um, for Georgia. But me all, we have to understand, Russia is gaining more power militarily on the daily basis, not only internally, but also outside. What do you say to that? I would say, first of all, I don't think Russia is gaining anything right now. Russia is using its military reserves in a long, drawn-out war. It did not. It thought it, it could take this country in a matter of days. Instead, it is using, um, you know, every rocket that's fired um, into a into a, a Mario pool. Um, it, it is tragic, yes. It's also one less rocket Russia could fire anywhere else. Mm. So by the time Russia, even if Russia is able to beat Ukraine into submission, and the only uh, yesterday we saw the use of of naval ships. Now they're not even, you know, they're they're trying to shoot from the Azov Sea to, mm. to you know, bombard us, and they're about to do the same in Kiev. Um, the thing is, Russia is using its resources and quickly. So it is not gaining anything. Um, and you mentioned countries in Asia. Um, <clears throat> you know, China looked, it, it appeared that China would back Russia. China now appears to be distancing itself a little bit. Exactly. At least militarily. And I, and I think that perhaps the, the biggest fear of China right now would be to try to take Taiwan and have a Taiwanese farmer steal mm. a Chinese trap. I think that would be a level of humiliation for the Chinese government that they're not willing to risk. So will they blow up all the tractors if they take Taiwan? I don't know. But I do know that the way they see that situation is one of a, of a debut. Um, by taking Taiwan, it shows their power. In many ways, what's going on with Russia. Um, but again, when you have tractors, farmers stealing tractors on memes, that causes a humiliation that I'm not sure you know, they're ready for. Um, so I would argue that no, Russia's not gaining power. Um, and, and aside from China, which is a, I don't know if we would call it a military ally, it's certainly expressed its support. Other countries that are supporting Russia 
are not countries capable of power projection. These are our countries Russia has incubated as allies based on their own support. As, as Russia's financial um, reserves, you know, are slowly are depleted and its military power to project mm. power in other places. I think those countries are even less likely to support Russia. So I would say Russia, it's not alone, but is doing a great job of, of making itself about to be. Mm. Um, well, that doesn't mean that Zelensky's going to magically you know, uh, prevail and this everything's going to go happily ever after for Ukraine. Um, Russia has a lot of weapons it hasn't used yet. Mm. But when is it, it's ready to use those weapons on Ukraine, um, and as tragic as that is, it means that they can't use them in other places. So mm. Russia is betting is doubling down on this. And by doubling down, you lose opportunities for other things. And um, it sees this now as an existential threat. Putin's backed into a corner, as, as we all know. So that makes it even more dangerous. But it does mean that Russia is slowly isolating itself. Mm. Well, you know, back in the days that in 2016, I believe there was a book came out and it was written by another uh, journalist and the book was entitled Polarization. You know, as I go back and dive into this book again, but I, so I want to ask you the question is, let's go back to the country of Georgia. Would you say that this country in Georgia today is polarized because the uh, globalization? So in other words, l I mean, let's let's just say hypothetically, without the impact of the conflict between Russia and Ukraine, how would you describe today's political atmosphere in Georgia today? You know, <clears throat> I guess the irony is that it was a lot more polarized within, you know, we, we, when we talk about polarization, we need to be clear whether we're talking about governments or people. Mm. Um, I, and I would say that um, the polling, uh, a lot of my friends in Tbilisi, especially expats, are just working polling because um, right now in our globalized and, um, you know, sort of, uh, let's say, electronic or whatever, um, social media style, um, you know, it, uh, facts are very hard to come by. Mm. Um, people love to speak on what populations are thinking when they may not be thinking that way. So these guys are um, are doing polling all the time and they're good at it. And what they've seen is um, the polarization that might've been there um, even a couple months ago is not there when it comes to sort of these fundamental, let's say these existential issues for Georgia. So the Georgian people have come together in many, many ways and are less polarized. The Georgian government, even, um, yes, we saw uh, a polarization, a level of polarization that was almost disgraceful um, as the war break broke out and Georgia felt compelled or for whatever reason refused to take in part, take in uh, show support to Zelensky, take part in sanctions, all these things. So um, the Georgian government seemed very polarized. Since then, though, since the government spoke out and they bizarrely threatened to sue her, the Georgian government has turned around and said that they have actually been supporters of Ukraine all along. Mm. So even the Georgian government looks a lot less polarized right now, also because they realize many people, many of those individuals realize there is an alternative. They are seeing what's happening in Ukraine 
and that maybe they don't have to be in a state of constant capitulation to this um, power. Um, in some ways, that's quite cynical, saying, "Okay, they waited till Ukrainian till Ukraine was it, you know showed that they would fight to to fight themselves." But this is the time we have to call for unity and not try to you know humiliate each other. Um, but in reference to to what you say on polarization, I think within the Georgian government, it's probably less polarized now. Um, but even then, I'm speaking of individuals. If you talk to individuals in the Georgian government, it doesn't matter how high up they are. None of them are, are pro-Russian. None of them are happy about what's happening in Ukraine. The prime minister is his own fish. He's an odd guy. He's um, he's the, the the man Friday to a billionaire. His job is to do what the billionaire says. Mm. So he makes all kinds of uh, divisive just angry, bitter statement. I mean, he's just a bitter little man who mm. um, is trying to make a billionaire happy. And so he's not, um, I, he's not even worth listening to at this point. The rest of the Georgian government, they are, they are trying to find their way, um, you know, as members of a uh, political party that, that is, is controlled by a billionaire who made his money in Russia. And um, they've derived their power by saying, hey, we're the party that can stop a war. Um, but that also means that they're constantly um, sort of hinting at how powerful Russia is. Now that there's an alternative to the, uh, let's say, the binary they've created, they're they're rethinking things. But if you talk to those people individually, none of all of them want to find a way to to uh, subvert to subvert that binary. Hmm. Well, I know you are very busy and surely you had a long flight. So I got two more questions before letting you go. Let's talk about the younger generations. And you know, across the continent, whenever there's a political or social crisis going on within the nation, younger generations today are rather active in changing this political and social agenda. And I believe this same thing could, uh, is or uh, could uh, take place in Georgia as well. So you, um, I mean, again, you came to this uh, uh, administration, you know, as a 27-year-old and you're a media advisor. And today, that media surely also played a significant role in elevating or amplifying the voices of the younger generation. So from your perspective, how would you describe the younger generations today in Georgia in terms of uh, participating or changing or uh, 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 influencing the political agenda in Georgia or Georgian government today? So that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> I'm currently teaching a class of um, at uh, Tbilisi State University. Um, all these people, uh, they're not initially in, in journalism, but they're in policy and stuff. And I'm, I'm constantly blown away by how politically active they are. Um, they're, they're all activists. They're all looking for ways to make a change. Um, and, you know, before this Ukrainian situation broke out, uh, the, the ways that they were looking for were, they seemed were scattered. Mm. Um, random stuff, maybe stuff that was big in the U.S. media that wasn't really as relevant, didn't really, let's say, apply to Georgia. They were still active in it. What's happened now is those people who are so politically active are now focused on this one issue. And I think that's one of the reasons we've seen it play out the way it has is because we have a younger generation of people who are intelligent, who mm. are see the world as, uh, you know, they're 
they see the world as, you know, they're global citizens. And in terms of activism, they don't, they feel like they have a, a right. And I think they do to uh, be activists anywhere. Um, if it, fits their values. Um, and I think that's a, a remarkable thing. And um, the, the, let's say, I'm blown away by how genuine they are mm. and how much they believe they can do it and they have done it. So when it comes to Ukraine, they've all gathered together to start putting out, um, to work as citizen journalists or to work as, um, to raise money, um, even creating memes, making jokes. It's amazing how far a joke can go. A single mm. image can, you know, can take down the, the disinformation of an autocrat. It just takes one to get through and people to wake up and the floodgates open. Mm. So. Well, I want to end our conversation going back to your article. Again, your article was entitled that Georgia threatens to sue its own president over her support for Ukraine. And right now that we don't know when the war or the conflict is going to end. And hopefully it's not going to last forever. But the last question I want to ask you is, how do you think that world today, after witnessing the entire conflict between Georgia and Ukraine, I'm sorry, uh, between uh, Russia and Ukraine, what do you think the biggest lesson that in terms of international community, what do you think the leaders or the world is learning today, especially for the countries of Georgia uh, uh, in today's world? You know, it may be a cynical lesson, but they're certainly learning it regardless that, again, even a, a country like Russia, um, using the full might of its military, um, if you're going to invade a country where those people are fighting for their land and their families, they are going to fight a lot differently than the people you send in there for whatever reason you do. Um, I don't, we're, we're kind of baffled by why the Russians are, are fighting. I mean, I think they're asking themselves that same question. And so I think for any country out there that's, that's looking to project its power, certainly we've seen the U S uh, fail in that regard. Um, if we look at what happened in Afghanistan, um, I think, you know, the, the world has changed um, with the the size of this war and the mm. potential to bring in so many other countries. Um, I think that's a lesson in itself to a lot of leaders. But also when you're going, if you're going to invade a population that is um, highly developed and, um, you know, has access or more access to the things you do and freedoms and all of that, then they're, they're going to fight back. Mm. And so I, th I do think it's a lesson for autocrats. And it, it's weird to be, I'm, I'm, I may sound optimistic right now as Mario Poole's about to get hit, just like Kiev. And, um, I mean, sorry, Mario Poole has already been hit. As Odessa is about to get hit from the water, um, just like Mario Poole and Kiev and all these other places. Um, it, it, you know, it's a weird time to be up to optimistic but i do see or feel that that's the message that Zelensky is putting out there that we can make a difference and it's still possible and um and i'm with him on that i think um ukraine has proven that that is possible and um that's certainly what's with how it's being read in georgia mm. um now, back in the u.s as i am now I'm, I'm very curious to see what people say but even in the last you know, in the 24 hours of flying, anybody who heard we were from the region just comes up and expresses, you know, how how much they care about it. They, they're and they're asking for ways to help. Um, and I think that says a lot. 
Um, so, you know, I hope the message is loud and clear to other power powers who are seeking to make similar moves like this. Um, it ain't going to be easy. Um, you know, you may eventually prevail if you bomb and, you know, if, if you leave the country and file a rubble, um, you know, maybe it's possible, but otherwise it's not going to be easy. That's a will. Again, I couldn't agree with you more. It's not going to be easy. And I continue to hope and I pray that, you know, regardless the conflict, whether it's going to expand more dramatically or it could seize the fire in any minute. But at this moment that we know that the people in Ukraine and also the people in Russia, both countries' citizens are not willing to see the escalation of the war. And again, Will, I really appreciate that your time and your effort participating in my show. And again, uh, you just had a longer flight, and uh, I want to give you some time to get back to rest. And we'd love to continue to have you back on our show again to continue to give us more reports regarding the conflict between Russia and Ukraine, and especially the ongoing political changes under this war in the country of Georgia. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm speaking to Will, and again, he was an international journalist based in Georgia, and he covered extensively regarding those countries about the political shifts. So, thank you, Will. I really appreciate your time.